Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the first PathEyes Health podcast. I'm joined here today by one of our inaugural advocacy board members, John Graham. John is a 58-year-old father and of three children, husband for almost 35 years, extensive background in healthcare technology and manufacturing and pharmaceuticals, and is a avid bike rider and car nut. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for taking the time. I guess let's jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about your journey with long COVID and what that looked like from the start. How, how did you get introduced to this world? Well, I, I, I developed um, COVID in December of 2020. Didn't know I had it. Um, it was only because someone else said that I was with said they had it. So I got tested. I was literally asymptomatic. Uh, I was mountain biking during my quarantine period. Uh, I was super healthy. And then a month later, I just started not to feel well. felt like a sinus infection, um, but, but it wouldn't go away no matter what the medical treatments were. Um, then it, it kept everything kept getting worse instead of better with the sinuses and then headaches developed and then chest palpitations and then aches and pains, then the fatigue and then the, the brain fog and just the inability to concentrate, it just kept growing over the next couple of months. By May of that year of 2021, I had fi just figured that this is something strange going on. They put me on long dose uh, antibiotics, all that kind of stuff, nothing worked. Um, I lived that way for about eight or nine months. My doctor kind of eventually giving up on me thinking that, well, what can it be? I started visiting specialists uh, trying to join these different um long about covid groups then i found out about long covid went over to emory over in atlanta i figured if anybody's going to figure it out they are they were very honest not knowing what to do tried to treat the symptoms it didn't work and so it wasn't until august of 2022 that i found a physician who was investigating microclots in the blood and said hey let's just try this course of action and that actually made me better for a while i was by late october november i was healthy I, I was telling people I'm normal again, but by January, I was sick again. Um, and now I'm kind of in a okay phase, but not still not normal. Uh, fatigue is easy. I can't, I can't do the exercise I used to do, and I just can't concentrate like I used to. So it's still there. I'm still on partial blood thinners and stuff, but it's still there. Right. Uh, it's a journey that is sounds very familiar to a lot of people that have gone through this, where there is a degree of wandering for months at a time before even getting some semblance of uh, answers. In terms of finding those correct people within the journey, whether it's a doctor that was looking to treat long COVID or plugging into these communities. What did that journey look like and how did that uh, evolve and help you? That, that's honestly the hardest part. I'm sorry if I get a little teary on this one. Um, it's hard to not be believed that you're sick because um, you look healthy. Your tests come back. You're, my heart's fine. My chest is fine. My sinuses are fine. Uh, but I can't breathe. I can't walk. I can't think. I can't get up in the morning. Uh, it's very hard to go through that. My wife was very empathetic. She believed I was sick. She was frustrated because she didn't know why. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a hard road to go down and have nobody believe that you're sick, yet you're, you're more sick than you've ever been. And so I only lucked in, you know, I, I learned about long COVID. I started reading about it, and, and I just started to try to see different specialists for different things. Um, all my friends were saying, try this, tr try this uh, 
vitamin, try this vitamin. I tried them all. None of them worked. Um, honestly, I found the local physician because my brother-in-law happened to go to him and my brother-in-law was struggling with something. And he said, I think you have long COVID. And I was like, I do have, he said it to him. And I'm like, I definitely have long COVID. I went to meet with him and he said, I think you've got it and started me on the treatment immediately. Wow. Well, it, it sounds like there is a degree of serendipity associated with just running into a local physician that was able to uh, to help in that sense through, throughout the process, both from the support side as well as the patient care side. What have been the things that have really helped you along the way? Well, my, my wife, for one completely understanding that I am sick. She knows me, obviously we've been married as of now, we've been married 35 plus years, um, but we, um, she knows me. So she knows I was definitely sick. I had uh, two managers where I worked, both had long COVID, not quite as severe, but pretty severe. And so they understood um, and other people at work understood that I wasn't being me, I couldn't be me. And they gave me the time I needed so I was very fortunate there to be able to take a day, the days that I needed when I was super sick to just not go to work. Um, they let me do that. They gave me a month off to try to recover. Um, it helped a little bit, but but not much. In regards to the, the care, honestly, until I got to my most recent doctor that I'm working with, all of them tried. Um, they were empathetic in the beginning, but at the end, I just feel like a lot of them just gave up. They didn't know what to do. Um, treating the symptoms didn't work. They didn't know the cause and they just kind of, you know, they weren't mean or rude. They just kind of gave up about it. Right. That is something that we've heard very consistently within the conversations that we've had. It's been, we were talking with a leading researcher who said that it's almost impossible to keep up with the research and deliver care at the same time, because both of those are full-time jobs. And it's it definitely seems like you interacted with quite a few physicians through partially no fault of their own, that this is a relatively unknown disease state. They try to treat the symptoms and there's no underlying thing to treat. You end up running into these roadblocks. Um, mm -hmm. with, with those roadblocks, and the path that is definitely very difficult to go down. If you could go back and give a piece of advice to somebody that's seeing this video within the first couple of weeks of them realizing that they may have long COVID, what, what pieces of advice would you give to them? Well, the one thing is now I feel like we're, we're a little bit better because people are understanding such a thing exists, but immediately seek out treatment. I feel like my recovery has taken longer because it was 18 months or two, almost, you know, over 18 months before I started to get treated in a way that maybe was going to help me. Um, don't, it's, you need an advocate by your side. My wife was my advocate for me because I was too sick or tired to chase down or argue with somebody. When I left the doctor's office, I felt like crying. That's all I could do. I would, there wasn't any energy left. My wife was like, well, we're not giving up on this. Let's do the next step. Let's try and contact people um, and do as much research as you can. If you find somebody who's with them, be who knows about it, be as empathetic. And if they have something that works, try it. I tried everything. Um, 
with hopes that it would work. It didn't most of the time, but at least I was trying stuff. I've talked to a lot of people that I told them about my story, where I'm at and how I'm feeling. And I'm surprised at the number of them who won't even consider a different type of treatment. They just listen to their one doctor and that doctor says, we're going to do this. And they just live with it. I'm like, don't live with that. You can, it, it can be different. You need to open your mind up. It's a new, it's a new type of thing. Nobody knows how to do it. We can't compartmentalize it and you got to try everything. That's a great point. I am not saying go out and start letting them put uh, bleaches on the side of your neck and bloodletting you, but, you know, within reason. Within reason. That, that's probably a good caveat for uh, any legal purposes. But yes, exactly. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, go to, don't go to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing at all. Um, stay with the physician groups, but find one who believes in, that you have it, first of all. And then once they believe you have it, they're the ones that are going to help you figure out how to get it treated and or maybe I don't think it'll ever be cured if I'm being honest. Uh, but at least I'm I'm better than I have ever than I've been. Absolutely. And I, I think you hit it right on the head with the, the starting point seems to be you need to be with a physician that believes that you have it. So if you're not with mm -hmm. a physician that is thinking this is something else or with a physician that's thinking this is something else, it might make sense to uh, to move off from them and find somebody that can deliver the care that you deserve. Um, one thing that you've mentioned a couple of times here is the role of patient advocacy and having your wife in your life as kind of that partner throughout. What, what have been, I guess, those things that have been the most helpful for you, for somebody that may be listening that is not dealing with long COVID, but is a family member or a loved one or a friend? What, what are those things that were the most helpful from a support standpoint? Um, my wife let me be sick, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, uh, we, we do, we, we do stuff together. Um, and so I help cook or I help do dishes or I do this and I do that. And, um, my wife just took over those duties and never complained. I know she was tired and I try to help and she'd say, no, sit down and lie down and rest. Um, we hired people to do things that I normally would have done. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty handy around the household, you know, car nut, I do all that stuff on my own. I couldn't do it. Um, so we had to figure out that, yes, it's more expensive, but we got to let somebody else do this work for you and let people help you. Uh, my wife, you know, we would get other people to help us. And, and that, that meant a lot, A, to them, really does mean a lot to them. I had a house fire in 2010, lost my entire home. And Having people want to help you, they really do. And if you ask them to, they're probably going to. Um, but you just got to keep, let that advocate be there for you and, and let them do the work without you feeling guilty. I think that's a, a really good point. Asking for help and being willing to let people help you. I know that there's, it, it, it's difficult to admit that sometimes, like if you're in a state where you may not be as, functional as you were prior to be able to say, hey, I should offboard these things or I should outsource these things. I, I think that takes a tremendous amount of courage, but it sounds like something that was really necessary for you finding a stabilization. Um, within the whole process of long COVID care management, what would you say are the things that you really want to see improved as a company that's operating in this space or as people are advocating and trying to contribute to um, making this a better area and making patients' lives easier. What, what's that hit list? The one, two, three of things that you really want to lean in on and get fixed ASAP? 
One of the biggest things that I did is I tried to track my symptoms manually. I tried multiple apps. It's just not possible. I mean, it's really not possible. So one of the reasons why I was excited about what you were doing was we're going to we're gonna grab information and allow you to manually add additional stuff in. So that was very, very, that's one of the things that I think is the ability to wear wearable, do something that says, I'm just going to track what's going on in your body. We'll use that data as history to see if we know when something is happening. Um, the other thing would be, I think is very important if we can is to either predict that an episode's coming on. That's what I call them now. They're episodes. Um, and even more so if we could do it as well as, yes, I am sick with that. I mean, understanding as my family is, whenever I have a sinus issue, they go, it's just a sinus thing. And I'm like, nope, this feels different. I have a long COVID episode coming on and it would be so cool that I know it sounds silly, but hold up a sheet of paper and says, see, I have long COVID. This is an episode. I don't have a cold right now uh, to be able to know that for myself and to be able to just tell others. And they, they understand that this is a real thing. Absolutely. That, that last point is one that I think is somewhat underrated in the aspect of care management where whether it's interacting with a physician or a loved one or, or even yourself to be able to say, this is not completely, this isn't in my head. This is something that I'm actually feeling and something that is, is real. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's something that unfortunately many people have had to deal with where they have been brushed off as having this be somatization or anxiety or I mean people going so far as saying like this is laziness as which just makes my blood boil but I think ha having that ability to really show quantifiably that something's going on is a important first step um, in figuring out how to manage this so that, it would be nice for myself to know that it isn't just a cold because I'll treat a cold differently than I will a long COVID episode. I still don't know exactly what to do when an episode comes on, um, but eventually maybe I'll know, don't do this or do, add this or change something in my life to maybe minimize the episode and, and, and help maybe even prevent it. Absolutely. What, what have been those things that when you feel an episode coming on has been helpful for you as, as of today? Now what I've learned to do is when I feel an episode coming on, I don't try to just push through it. I immediately get that rest that I need. Um, and I have to do it, like I say, without guilt. Um, and if it means sitting on a couch all day and, and either sleeping or watching television, that might be, that might be the best I'm going to do that day. And I just got to live with that. But if I do that early, I'm finding that my episodes are a little less intense and they seem a little bit shorter. Um, but that's, that's the number one thing. If you think it's that, and I think for anybody who's listening to this, if you have long COVID, you know, the long COVID symptoms feel different than a cold or anything else. I know what it is and I can tell the difference. If you start to feel that, do get that rest immediately, get the stress out of your life, whether it's work or whatever. The other thing I didn't share this was I'm very open about it. I'm open about it with work. I'm open about it with my friends, with family, that this is going on. I started a new job in the middle of all this, and I told my new people I work with, there are going to be days where I might not be able to work. You just need to know that. And they're very, they're fine with it. And they're like, let's go do that. But yeah, get that rest immediately and just get yourself so you you can recover more quickly. I do say one last thing about COVID is I do say it's, um, 
it kind of doesn't care what it does. It doesn't have any rules it follows. So I, I may rest immediately and it might be one of the worst episodes I have and I may not rest and it'll be mild. I just, I can't quite say what it is, but I think resting in the beginning is my biggest help. That, that, that's a great piece of feedback for people. And I think the double tapping on the no guilt standpoint of it is something that's really important. I know at least for me, when I was feeling an episode coming on with uh, with POTS, I, if I was feeling guilty about resting, it would be much less restful, which is uh, a, yes. a little bit ironic. But I think that that's a great point. And I, I have one last question for you. And this is something you touched mm -hmm. on uh, just a couple of minutes or seconds ago. In terms of how you formulate those conversations with letting people know, whether it's your work or friends or family, that this is going on, what what are those like tactical things that are very helpful in having those conversations? Because I feel like for some people that can be a difficult conversation to bring up. It is. Um, I'm I'm a pretty open person anyway, so it's it's probably I'll, I'll admit it's a little easier for me just because of who I am. But one of the things that I also have done is I've created a form letter, literally a little form email, and it describes what is long COVID. I link them to articles about it. I link them to podcasts about it. I link them to the videos. And I've sent those out to many, many people. And, and many people come back and say, wow, A, I didn't know it existed. B, I feel like I understand it better. So they understand what I'm going, what I'm going through. So I always start it with, this is what I'm going through. This is what it is. Here's what they think it is, and I can send you stuff on what what it really means. And most people have read what I sent to them. And the form letter is nice because it's always the same. I just send it out. I don't have to recreate it. Got all my links there and ready to go. That, that seems like something that may be helpful for other people. Maybe we can uh, mm. share that with the uh, group in one of the descriptions below. Um, yeah. I that's all the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you think is important for somebody to know that's going through long COVID right now? But, you know, it sounds, sounds so cliche. Don't give up. It's, um, it is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it's dimmer than other times, but there will be light. There will be days that are better. I, I liken mine to spring. You know, I used to live in New England, and um, in March, you had one sunny day and four cold days, and you had two sunny days and two cold days. My, my hope and prayer is that at some point, I have mostly sunny days and very, very few cloudy days. Um, so just do that, and don't. And, and if you hear somebody else, be there for them and help them out. I have talked to many people on the phone. I don't know them. They tell me they're just not feeling well, and I immediately open up about what's going on with me. And that helps me feel like I'm helping the community because right now I feel like we're still all alone. And we need to we need others to know outside of us that this is happening to them and maybe this is what's going on with you. Absolutely. Well, I know that we at PathEyes as well as everybody else who has been graced with your presence, really appreciates it. And I just want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all the work that you do. It's very much, it, it makes a difference and it makes an impact. And we're really grateful at PathEyes to have you in our corner. So with that, thanks so much for hopping on. And if any listeners would like to talk with John or myself, we'll put our contact information in the description below. And until next time, everybody hang in there. Take care.